right, welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm Paul Randeck, your host, and we are back for another edition of the Bozo Roundtable. It has been tick-tock, tick-tock, six months, six, seven months. It was July of last year. Uh, that would kind of be mid-early, or mid-COVID, I guess, for us from this time period. Uh, but it's good to be back. So we'll go around and introduce ourselves. And uh, what's your favorite beverage today? Hi, I'm Alicia Matthews. <laughs> Hi, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my favorite beverage right now is probably... <laughs> Um, Dr. Pepper or Sprite. Oh, okay. Thanks, Lucia. Thank you. I'm Sarah Botham. Easy answer is coffee. Got it right here by my <laughs> side, like usual. Second would be uh, sparkling water, obviously. <laughs> it's the only two things I drink. So. Lame. Just joking. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Dr. Pepper is a way cooler. <laughs> just has more sugar <laughs> and it's really bad for you oh good Brent Hansen uh, troubadour <laughs> beekeeping enthusiast and proud member of the cloud appreciation society uh, my favorite beverage <laughs> is coffee for sure coffee yeah, yeah it is yeah well right now it's coffee but I'm actually drinking a tea I started it. off with coffee but I'm drinking a tea, Rui Bush and honey, no, Rui Boat and honey bush tea. Mm. I have gotten into more teas, trying to do tea in the afternoon instead of coffee more often now. Cool. Mm-hmm. Herbal? Herbal tea. Yes, uh, And also, I drink a lot of green tea, too. But yeah. let's not worry about that at the moment. <laughs> we have much to talk about today. It's been so long since we've all been together. It has. It really has. It's yeah. it's it becomes a little strange in some ways, but that you know this for for those of us that have been kind of roundtabling for a while, and I'm really excited that you joined us, and hopefully you'll do this consistency consistently. Absolutely. Alicia? Okay. We'll see how things go today, and then we'll have a secret vote. See if you make yeah, the cut. We'll, yeah. <laughs> vote you off the island, or we'll, we'll keep you. We'll have a powwow. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding Hopefully Alicia's I make return. The cut. Hopefully, yeah. I'm sure you will. Yeah. You yeah. never know. Hey. Hey. You, you got this far. True. All right. Cheers to that. Okay. Don't give her too much hope, Paul. Okay. Yeah. Hope. Hope. Hope's okay. Hope's okay. Kind of like faith. So, um, obviously, the topics today are going to be all over the place let's be perfectly honest with ourselves it's been kind of a a a different year um challenging uh as well as probably enlightening um mental health issues have skyrocketed across the the world um and what i say is welcome to the club everyone (laughs) welcome to the club yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a nice way of putting it it is oh welcome well the the, the the aspect of that is that you're saying you've, you've dealt with a, uh, <laughs> a lot of different emotional states and worked through them in your life already. So this past year maybe didn't seem that much different than some other years. Well, too. yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we're going we're gonna to get to all that. And um, 
and, and cover a number of different topics. Um, as far as the podcast, we'll be back probably every other week, even though I've got a few I'm going to be doing in a row here. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll be back back online for a while. Hopefully we'll just see how the year goes anyway. It's good to it's good to be back with you guys. So um, it, it's so easy, obviously, to talk about. I guess this first topic. You know what, what, how is COVID? You know, and what's the effects of the, the COVID on our lives? And it's kind of a weird question because, be honest with you, COVID hasn't really affected me at all. But it's what we've done as a society and the rules that have been put in place and those kinds of changes that have limited travel, it limited, you know, probably some of the most important things that, um, right. what? Oh, I was agreeing yeah. with you. Yeah, right. but, yeah, but like connection, we've been limited yeah. in connection and not being able to get together and, and do things. And so, you know, this is what's I think nice about today too. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're following what we're supposed to be doing here, Yeah, you know, and, the, the idea of all that is how did we get by with maybe not having the same kind of connections that we've had in years on past? So what, what, what is, you know, what have we been doing? How have we been trying to stay connected? How have we been coping with the stress associated with that and um, the loneliness that can come from that too? And then all these new normals. So um, we, I was going to say, those some of us work from home, you, you're not you, you're I'm not back you're, work. You went back to work because, mm -hmm. yeah, we reopened. Yeah, yeah. we were kids, closed for about three months. The kids need you, and then we, yeah, we reopened yeah. end of June. Yeah, so. so you've been you've been back since I've been then. back for yeah. quite a while. Yeah. Okay, and um, but it's, it's, but it's affected a lot at our. It has. Century. I can only imagine. Yes. I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> Brent's been working from home since I've known him, pretty much. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah. As far as work uh, goes, COVID really you know did, well didn't affect me at all because yeah I was used to working at home uh, before the pandemic and uh, that continued on. Um, and I think the main thing that uh, has affected me is was the travel restrictions because uh, one of the good things about me being able to work from from home means I can pretty much work remotely from anywhere. And so, you know, I like to take advantage of that by going and working for at, at different places. And, um, you know, that's been, I haven't been able to do that. So I guess it has affected my work in the fact that I've been, I, I've been, I've been forced to just work uh, from, from home and not be able to work in other places. And so travel. Exotic locations. Exotic <laughs> locations. Yeah. Like, you know, Hawaii, that, that was a good, that was a good six weeks of, of play and working at the same time. And um, so and yeah, and the travel's been a, a, a real bummer because uh, we had some trips planned that had to get canceled. And um, but the other thing too is that well, the one thing I noticed is uh, because of COVID, we, yeah, we weren't able to get together in uh, large groups of friends uh, like we we normally like we were accustomed to, and especially. Uh, our refuge recovery meeting had to move from being in person to me being online and uh, 
part of what made our refuge recovery meeting so great was it was also uh, the meeting itself, but then there was also the social component to it of getting everybody together on a weekly basis uh, to talk before and after the meeting. And then uh, a lot of times we'd go do an activity after the meeting, either dinner or whatever. And uh, so that I've really missed. Um, and I felt like I've lost some, a little bit of connection with uh, you know some people because of that. And really, I look back um, before COVID and uh, the things that that really that that some of the things that really bring me joy in my life are connecting with friends and and, and travel. And so it really, um, yeah, it, it it decreased my joy quite a bit, I guess. COVID did overall, you know. But health wise, I've I've been uh, I've been fine health. I, I haven't been affected by it at all. And um, a few I've known a few few of my friends have tested positive for it but um no serious i don't know anybody that had any serious uh health ramifications from uh covid it seems like it for me it's just been more of a um a social recreational problem yeah <laughs> yeah well so. and like i mean it changes in lifestyle yeah exactly and, that, yeah. and and it has affected everyone that way mm-hmm. probably the youth in some ways the most um they've had uh, you know kids and adolescents have had to make huge changes um and hopefully the school thing will you know get worked out and, and kids will be able to get more integration and more connection in school even though of course there are going to be uh, stringent guidelines for that as well but at least being able to be closer and connected and and have some of those those bonds that have before um I'm curious if you know what your bubble was like, if you don't mind me asking that, because that's kind of a, a, new, a new, you know, who's in your bubble? We used to think of that probably differently before COVID, you know, when you say, hey, who's in your bubble? Um, people had probably different ideas. But what was your what was your bubble like, if you don't mind or is like? My bubble was pretty much anybody who wanted to hang out with me, <laughs> you know, really. I mean, it was definitely, definitely my family. Um, you know, we, we uh, obviously stayed close throughout all this. And, uh, but yeah, as far as friends, it was just, you know, whoever felt comfortable getting together, mm-hmm. uh, then that would be part of the bubble, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, I guess... The bubble did shrink a little bit just because, uh, you know, people were concerned about uh, contracting the virus and getting large groups of people together. And um, and although I was concerned about that, too, um, you know, small groups of friends, I wasn't too concerned about, you know, as long as we, we weren't making out together or anything like that. You know? Yes. Yeah. So. Something you had to give up, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, there was that. So. <laughs> The prices you pay. Yeah. The price. Yeah, you know. Price yeah. you pay for a pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, the I, I think a couple things that that stood out to over this time and what you just shared was, you know, this idea of, you know, who's who's comfortable connecting, right, and and who's comfortable respecting space, and it, I mean, and maybe in some ways it's, you know, you learn a lot about pe- other people, too, and what maybe some of their fears are. I've learned a lot about, um, you know, family members' fears and friends' fears based upon this experience, and um, and not to diminish any of that, because that's, that's real, and when people fear something, um, and I mean, you don't know certain things and, and what certain possibilities are. Um, 
And of course, our, our wonderful media has done an excellent job of um, creating, I think, probably fear in ways, um, you know, and I, I know I sarcastically say bravo. Um, it, being cautious and being responsible are different than fear. Um, and in some cases, I, I know it's appropriate to have really clear, strong boundaries in these things. And at other times, probably we need to br- take a few deep breaths and focus on the compassion. Put things into perspective. Put things in, yeah. Uh, from a compassionate, uh, non-attachment appreciation perspective. Yeah, I've just been looking for an opportunity to say that, just so yeah. you know. I think it has to be said at least once per podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I'm going to try to get in a few more times as we get to some of the other topics today. So. Well, I was going to say, before I forget, um, we would talk about a lot about, like, in our groups and stuff, about how connection is such an important part of, you know, and people with addiction that suffer from addiction or, you know, or recovering addicts um that connection is a huge part of being happily sober and staying sober and so i think the pandemic really rocked a lot of people's lives and i feel like my experience with with the pandemic was crazy i learned a lot that's for sure but you know i never have worked from home ever and so I was really excited. I was like, this is great. I can sleep in, kind of. You know, I can take a little nap. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then my... I can work in my pajamas. Yeah, like all of these great things I've never been able to do. But then it kind of got to a point where it was like, I didn't have a schedule. And that was kind of depressing. Mm-hmm. And I was really fearful in the beginning. Like, I didn't know what this meant. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember telling you, Paul, like, am I going to die? Mm-hmm. And you were like, no, just wash your hands. Just wash your hands. <laughs> I'm like, OK, OK. And, you know, it's it's actually impacted like my family. Um, so I don't see my grandparents at all very much anymore. And that's like a big thing because I used to see them like every week. And so um, that's been hard, really hard to like get used to. Um, and. I would say I'm a little more like I'm cautious, but I'm not like I was in the beginning, like super scared. Um, But yeah, it's it was weird to like do Zoom, you know, with aftercare and like even my meetings at work, like I would have to Zoom and I've never done that, you know. So it was interesting to like adjust, but I feel like now it's a normal sort of, you know. But I think we all like adjusted, had to adjust to a different way of connecting with people and not physically, which is even more difficult than I feel like connecting virtually. Right. Well, I want want to share something that that um, and I (laughs) that really surprised me is we did, you know, aftercare Zoom. We still do. But we did it for a long period of time. And, and then we went back together. Yeah, and then we came back together, and that was weird. That was weird. It felt actually awkward to be yeah. in the room together. Uh, you, I think, did you yeah. come one night? Yeah, yeah. Well, I came you, back. Yeah, you came, you came back one night when we were in, in the... Back yeah, in I was the, like, oh my gosh. Back in the, the, the church building. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, 
I say that tongue in cheek, you know. And, and everyone that has been in aftercare knows why we are tongue in cheek with that yeah, that room. Um, anyway, the uh, that was I thought kind of a strange switch is that this feels weird to be together, even though. You know, everyone's been asking for it for a long time. You yeah. Know? When are we going to get back together? I don't want to come unless we're back together. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Sorry to deflect. Well, and then we had to go back online, too. Yeah. So then we had to, adjust, you know, adjust to that. And, yeah. Um, I just stayed online. I, I didn't change it. Even yeah. when they went back, the IOP went back, I just kept aftercare. Yeah. Yeah, on, online. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which it lasted two weeks. Hey. <laughs> Yippee. Yay. Okay. You you were kind of in the middle of, of sharing. You don't have to continue if you don't want to, though. Um, yeah, that's okay. Your thought was uh, physical connection versus the... Uh, virtually? Yeah, versus connecting virtually. Yeah. You kind of left off. Well, and like... I guess it like I think about like the children because I had like a coworker that had kids, and they had a some one of them um, got bullied a lot in school, and didn't do very well because of that. And when she was home, she did amazing. She flourished. Flourished, yeah. you know. And then there's the other kids that you know they're so young that staying on a computer is like. Yeah. not something they want to do you know or they want to but they want to watch youtube videos you know so it's like not to do schoolwork, you know so i know that like that generation that's been a tough thing you know to learn how to learn online and from even for me like being in college like i usually take really hard classes in person like i'll take english classes online but like organic chemistry i was taking at the time and I had to do that, transition to that online, and that was really rough, <laughs> really rough. And we didn't, like, we've never had this happen, so it's not like we knew, like, we had a backup plan. It was just like, okay, here we go. You know, we're gonna wing this, you know? And all of a sudden, teachers and professors became really tolerant of things coming in late all of a sudden. Yeah, and very easy grading, too. But then, <laughs> but then this next, this semester after that, everyone is online for the most part, you know? Yeah. And then these professors you know, are like, okay, well, they're online now, so I'm going to give them three times the amount of work that I would in person. And it's just like, it's a lot. So school has changed, you know, I think all around for everyone and professors having to adjust to that too. And um, so I'm like doing calculus online right now. And that helps because I have a full-time job. So I can't really, I mean, I could go to night classes, but hmm. eh. yeah. if I can do it online, I, you know, I should, you know, get used to that, you know. So, so yeah, it's been an interesting year. And I'll pass it on to Sarah. <laughs> uh, I think a big thing for me has been the back and forth between loneliness and peacefulness. Because I've mm. been alone more this year than I ever have in my life. I live alone. I love to live alone. But I also am definitely an ambivert. Ambivert? 
ambivert <laughs> extrovert <laughs> no yeah. in between both, both. Yeah. yes oh. where i like connection i like to be around people but i also really like my alone time and so this year was just an exorbitant amount of alone time and at the beginning it was nice and then it went through waves of being really lonely you know almost to the point where should I get a roommate you know I haven't had a roommate in my entire life (laughs) unless it's been a partner and so yes and I would say that I've gotten to the point where the higher percentages I feel at peace being alone it's been really good to find that time where I have to sit with myself for long periods and not always be doing something and just really have legitimate downtime it's helped with my some very healthy things for me as far as meditation you know time to do things like that that I was otherwise quote-unquote too busy for before um but I would be lying if I said that I don't still go through waves of the loneliness every once in a while and so it's just kind of an ebb and flow for me of finding this balance of spending a lot more solo time and trying to be at peace with that which I would say overall has been a win. Overall. Well, you know, the, this, this notion with um, introvert and extrovert is fascinating. I like, I mean, I understand ambivert. Yes. Ambivert, yes. I know, isn't it? It's a yeah, it's weird a weird word. word. To say. Um, <laughs> but I think of myself as the same way because I, I score kind of evenly on those. But I, I get, I think I recharge from alone time still. Yes. And I, I can take or leave, you know. You know, the being on the extrovert side, always having to be connected to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does take a certain amount of balance to be able to do that. So, I, yes. you know, how do I, the idea between extrovert and introvert is how do we recharge? So, an introvert recharges by having a certain amount of alone time, where an extrovert recharges by being out and socializing with people. Right. So yes. That's kind of the, the difference. Yeah. So, here. I think I just kind of honed in and to my introverted side more this year. Yeah. And was able to find more acceptance of that, which has been a process, but it's been good. And it did help when I went back to work because that feeds that need for some connection and socialization Mm -hmm. where when I get home, I'm ready for that recharge alone time more. Uh, I do miss, as Brent and Alicia and you all have said, um, Paul, you as well, that connection with you know, friends especially. I've still stayed fairly connected to my family because most of them, or all of them, work from home. The kids were home from school for mm-hmm. uh, around the holidays to quarantine. So I was really the <laughs> the X factor there. But uh, wow. I ended up having COVID mm-hmm. at the end of November, beginning of March. <laughs> I'm all. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. That's it was a long. <laughs> that's been long some COVID year, hasn't it? <laughs> that's how I feel right now. <laughs> I love that. And that's what COVID has done to us. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what month it is. Yeah, right. uh, beginning of December, I was almost completely uh, asymptomatic. 
the whole, pretty much the whole time? Yes. So minor I, symptoms? Yeah, the week of, I was super tired and I had headaches, but that neither are very uncommon for me. And the only reason I found out was because it's I true. get tested weekly for work. Yeah. So I got tested on a Monday. We do our saliva testing because it's more accurate. Mm-hmm. and But it takes a couple days to get the results because we mail them in. Right. And so Thursday morning, I'm at work and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Positive test. <laughs> and... I asked, I was thinking, you know, I, I don't feel many symptoms at all. I didn't even think these were symptoms. So is this a false positive, which they said the health department and our wellness team more unlikely because of saliva testing being so accurate, yeah. more unlikely and more likely that you're asymptomatic right. or mostly asymptomatic. Yeah. And so for me, physically, it was easy. Uh, it took an emotional toll because my first thought was, I was with my family on Thanksgiving and we all, I had said, I'm not going to come for Thanksgiving. I'm not going to come for Thanksgiving, but we decided to do a social distance Thanksgiving. I wore my mask the whole time. You know, I was definitely further apart, but again, I'm the one Mm -hmm. who had been out working and they hadn't. So, and it was a week later that I found out I had gotten it. Mm -hmm. Still very confused as to how I'm like, don't go a lot of places. Obviously, like I said, I'm alone a lot, but you know, grocery store. I did get my nails done that week. Probably that damn nail salon, you know. Those things, could, it, you know. The, the thing is, it could be almost anything. anything. I know. That's, and the other thing the is, I am part. our health checker at work. So in the morning, I am I work at a child care center. So I'm screening our families and the kids coming in. I'm doing their temperatures, uh, asking all of our health survey questions. So if one of them are asymptomatic, they're not, the families aren't getting tested yeah. weekly. So, I mean, there's any number of ways, but... Uh, my whole family was negative, so after I found out that, I was good. But that first uh, few days until they all got tested, tested yeah. and t- all tested negative, it was a very... Uh, I felt a bit of shame, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I was feeling that knot in my stomach of that sh- old feeling of shame, like I did something wrong and oh, I'm yeah. going to... You know, my parents are going to get so sick and, you know, all these things yeah. and... So. Well, that I'm really glad you brought the, the shame part up about this because um, that's been one of the most fascinating aspects of um, interaction, you know, socially. Like, people do need to go to store and, and get food and things like that. And um, regardless of what my view upon, um, you know, whether I, I should wear a mask or not, you know, in public, I mean, that, you know, I do um, for the most part. Um but, you know, going to the store, I mean, I wouldn't think of not doing it. But the people that chose not to and then the people that would shame them in the stores, mm-hmm. I was thinking like you know, numerous times I, I, when I, if I observe something like that, you know, it reminded me that shame is probably the worst um, instrument for change because shaming someone actually almost reinforces the opposite we what we grew up i mean we've grown up in, in a world and and various cultures where shame has been thought of as a way to um you know uh, condition certain and control certain control. kinds of behaviors mm-hmm. but i mean you know thank goodness for you know uh, theology and religion because the, you know the shame is a big part of whether you know how successful people see themselves in many ways um you know shame someone into, into submission so to speak mm-hmm. um but note seeing that it's like it i knew that it was just you know watching people get more polarized in their position whatever it was whether it was pro or against or you know 
um, I, I had that happen in Costco one day, and I, 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 I felt really actually bad for the guy that you know didn't, that really believed that he didn't need to wear a mask, which is fine. But Costco is a, a private company, and they can choose, you know, you know what, mm-hmm. how, you know how, what goes on in there. And that's you know, as soon as you walk through those doors, or as soon as you step on their property, I guess, it those things change, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the way private laws of private property work, and. You know, maybe the, there's a little bit of over-righteousness about that in, in certain cases. But the shame doesn't doesn't help at all. It doesn't, so, no. no. And it is, I, I'm still seeing it now. So with the vaccine coming, that makes me think. So we took the survey at work with our staff. And so, you know, do you want to get the vaccine? Mm-hmm. Do you not want to? Are you okay? Just do you want to get it right when it's available? Or do you prefer to wait for a while to see the effects? And I think the last thing on there was, you know, basically, if you're required to get it, then will you? And so seeing some of our staff say no, or literally a couple of just crossed it out and like, not like kind of you can't require me type thing. Right. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, we can't require you to get it. But if our client, I met a childcare center who's client-based, if our client says to work at one of our facilities, our offices or our childcare center, mm-hmm. you have to be vaccinated, then no, you don't have to get it, but you can't work here. Right. <laughs> you know, and so. Totally. And that's, a, that's again, private industry, private business. Exactly. So. The government can do the same thing. Right. And so, but I already see this kind of, we try really hard in our staff meetings and things to mm-hmm. not get right. too personal or political about it because you can already see some of that those pieces of sure. shaming people that yeah. won't get it or you know shaming or the opposite shaming people True. who are just want to get it and go for it without any worries of what the vaccine effects may be so it's well, so I, now I, we're moving to this new thing of like the mask wearing and now it's the vaccine you know there's there's right. been all these different levels and processes through this pandemic of people differing opinions well, and, and it's not like vaccines have, have never been a hot button issue they are exactly they, I mean, and my assumption is that probably a yeah. lot of the people leaning just on vaccines in general are pro- it's probably going to be similar yeah. for this one right yeah so. and and there, there's polarization here too and mm-hmm. often again and the fear fear mongering or whatever you want to call it. it it gets probably a lot of it gets blown out of proportion in some ways um, being responsible and being respectful and being cautious is probably carries a lot of value or weight right at the moment. Um, but I wanted to bring that up, actually, um, if you guys are, are willing to talk about it, you know, how you feel about whether you would get vaccinated or not. And are you guys open to that? Or, or is I that? can say pretty openly that I am. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. You're going to get vaccinated? Yes. Fuck okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I our, I want to see my uh, family again. <laughs> yeah. I I believe that I I need to be vaccinated, if nothing else, for my own mental health to be able well, to start connecting again when others do. Yeah. And I mean, I work in an industry with young children who aren't as prone to getting it yet. But if they do get can, it, it can yeah. really... Yeah, so there's... I guess it kind of depends, but... <laughs> but yes, I am not I'm not an anti-vaxxer person, okay. so uh, I never have been, and 
I actually was a little disappointed because childcare workers in the state were going to be on the first phase and they bumped back. So, which is fine. I'm not in any huge rush. Again, I've had it. So I'm again, quote unquote, safe for a little mm-hmm. bit longer. And so it should time up kind of where I'm getting it, but I want our work environment to be gotcha. a, a better, more. So right now our parents can't come back into the classrooms. They can't, right. you know, they can't even go past the lobby to drop their kids right. or come visit their kids. And I know those sound like small things, but th- they've been really major adjustments for our families and oh. the parents bringing their kids. So Actually, I think that's a big deal. Once you mean like it's once your kids go through the door, you can't go see them. I mean, I yeah. no, I think that's yep. huge. And not being able to bring yeah. them to class or talk to their teachers even because, yeah. you know, uh, our leadership team are the ones that bring the kids to and from class because we're the ones that kind of put ourselves in the we'll take all the kids but we yeah. don't try not to step into the classrooms once gotcha. a teacher's in the classroom for the day or a child they can't leave that classroom where we used to combine and teachers move around which we're not doing now but that means that for the most part these parents aren't ever getting that face-to-face with their teachers to ask about how they're doing and things like that. Uh, Zoom meetings have increased. I've been doing intake and check-in meetings with the teachers and parents, but which is helpful, but it's still, when they're used to that day-to-day interaction of hearing, and we do have an app, so they're getting information through the app through the day. But it's much more minimal than that. Yeah. That you know those parent partnerships well, we try to per- build in it's person. It's not as personal. No. Yeah. 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 So, I I kind of hope that our center, our client decides to have everyone there vaccinated so we can get back to a more family friendly environment. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Okay. I appreciate I appreciate that. You said uh, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Well, and and like I I mean I may I'm majoring in biology. So I know how they make vaccines and what like goes into it and like why they work and like how they work. And so, you know, I'm all, I just, yeah. Okay. So you're, you're, you're looking forward to getting that, getting past that. Yep. But I did talk to someone that, um, she had COVID and she was had to be put on oxygen and in the hospital for a long time. And when she got the vaccine, because she's a healthcare worker, um, she said she was sick for three days. Mm-hmm. And so she's saying, you know, this could be a sign of like people that have really severe um, symptoms mm-hmm. with COVID and getting the vaccine, obviously, because it's a piece of mRNA, you know. And, I do know. Yeah. And so, you know, putting that into your body again is obviously going to make you a little sick if you have symptoms. And so, like, you know, people that are asymptomatic or, you know, most likely when they get the vaccine, they're not going to feel sick or anything. But, yeah, so I totally am all for vaccines. (laughs) Go vaccines. Okay. Oh, but it's kind of, you know, we've talked about this, though, because then I think I'm like, okay, yeah, but also (laughs) naturally, you know, viruses are part of the natural world. And, you know, overpopulation of, for example, deer, you know, we, you know, we have hunters hunt them, you know. Used to be wolves. Wolves hunt, yeah, back in the day. 
um, <laughs> wolves, yeah, hunted them and killed them so they wouldn't overpopulate the ecosystem and ruin that, like, s- cycle we have. And whereas in humans, we don't really have... We're the top species, quote-unquote. You know, we rule everything for the most part, you know? And with viruses, they are... You know, they're that population control, in my eyes, how I see it. You know, they control... And we're very overpopulated. I don't know if anyone knew that, but we are. You know, we're going on 8 billion people. You you ready to open up that can of worms? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) But the thing is, is I'm I'm very mixed, you know, mixed on it. Because I'm like, well, I want to, you know, obviously see my family again. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do understand, you know, the natural part of this, too. The process of having viruses and having, and why they're here kind of thing. True. And uh, the, the... I guess I'm not going to open up this can of worms yet, but um, I'll mention it. There is the terrain and the germ theory, right? Yeah. And terrain theory is, you know, you you don't you you, you don't treat the fish. You you clean, you know, right? Make the water right cleaner and healthier so that the fish live longer, right, and healthier and longer. we're not so good, I think, along the lines you were talking. We're not so good at necessarily um, being stewards of taking care of our terrain very well. Yeah. And uh, the I think the better we do that, then the probably the the better we'll efficiently be able to yeah. handle viruses as yeah. well. But see, I don't. I'll get there when I talk about this in a second. I think uh, I think for me, I would I'm definitely want to get the vaccination just not for me personally, but so that I would feel like Sarah, I, I would feel comfortable about being around my family, knowing that I've been I'm protecting them because um, I'm pretty sure that I I've already had it, too, even though it hasn't been confirmed by a positive test. But early on in March, um, when this first started hitting my dad came up from Arizona and he was so sick and he had all the symptoms of COVID. So I'm pretty sure, and we, and we were living in the same place at the time. And so I'm pretty sure I was exposed to it through him before we even knew what it was. And then and he, and then when, when, when we when mapped it back, he had been in contact with a cousin from Washington like a week before and she confirmed tested positive. So I'm almost positive I already been exposed to it back in early, uh, early in the, in the pandemic, but um, and I didn't really have any symptoms or anything. I felt a little off that week, but I just thought it was like normal. Yeah, dad's got a, you know, he's got a cold, you know, and I'm picking up some of the cold here. I didn't realize it was this, this coronavirus, but, um, yeah, I would get vaccinated, um, you know, when it's available to me, just so I can, uh, say that I'm, you know, been protecting the people around me, sure. you know, I'm not spreading it or whatever. So, mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Well, and it's like you got to think, too, like this vaccines like we have it now. But when the virus mutates, then what? You know what I mean? <laughs> ninja let's not go there. N- ninja mutant. Yeah, let's that's that's another can of worms. We're not going to open tonight. <laughs> COVID-22. <laughs> yeah. Serious, though, they do that. There'll be songs. There'll be songs about it, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Love potion number nine. Oh, God. Okay. Let's not go there tonight, Paul. <laughs> All right. So um, thank you for sharing your, your views on this. I, I appreciate it. And 
and not everyone's going to think you know think exactly the same and it's again ben, i appreciate the respect um and i i would when i was serious when i said you know if you want to challenge me or tell me why i'm wrong i'm okay with that i don't feel like i but what's right for me is necessarily right for anyone else yeah okay all right well, shall we move on yes. you want to say any other thoughts on that one no okay um well there are a number of different things we've talked about you know exploring today and uh, we started out with the idea of, of trauma but this this year probably has been everyone's had different kinds of experiences with trauma so um and some of it may be created you know by our, our own lifestyles and our own choices and things like that and some some of those things are were maybe outside of our control um and i think people handle trauma very differently at times um so where, where would you guys like to start when, to talk about this subject and uh and how have you have you you know been ex experiencing and how have you been coping with trauma Um, well, I guess it kind of depends on what type of trauma we're talking about, but, um, you know, this, this year, I mean, most of you know that not only like COVID came about and the trauma that comes with that, you know, being isolated and n being a little fearful and not knowing like what's going to happen and what we're going to do and what the world's gonna look like, you know, um, you know, trauma popped up for me, um, sexual abuse when I was a child, and so dealing with that and COVID was weird and hard, I feel like, but, um, I worked through it and still am, but I noticed I reached out more you know even though I couldn't see a lot of people at you know the time um I would reach out more so like FaceTime calls or smaller groups and still staying connected which is what we talked about earlier um but I think um doing EMDR helped me tremendously um deal with that and understand it to the to a point so, you know, yeah, everyone deals with trauma different. It's like, it's, yeah, it's all different. Um, mine's very, like, up and down, I guess, in the beginning. Like, it was very, like, I would feel one emotion and then another, like, within a split second and trying to work through that and understanding why. But, yeah, that's it. <laughs> there are not always a lot of why answers when we're, we're yeah. working through or, or but, addressing trauma in our lives. Yeah, but understanding, like, not even the why, but, like, the why I react this way or mm -hmm. why I am f feeling this way kind of thing. Not necessarily the answer of why they did what they did or why COVID is a thing, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it just is. But, like why am I so fearful or why am I you know so up and down why can't I remember and now I can't remember hmm. now you know 
oh, now I know yeah. it from like the back of my head. Well, yeah. Well, and 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 trauma is really different for people and the way we experience trauma. Like when I think of the, if I want to call it COVID trauma, um, the and it's not really COVID itself, but it's um, the repercussions and the. Um, you know, changes in our interactions and our connections and how we could, you know, be together um, changed. And so that the communities and the fellowships and, and the support systems um, began to look and behave differently. And the, if we're working on trauma specifically that's about certain events in our lives and things, that, that can, you know, have a, a different outcome at least from the perspective of how do I begin to address and, you know, desensitize or not be so reactive to the triggers associated with it. There's also this idea with trauma that it's it's sort of like just, you know, a series of experiences, um, whether they, again, be um, it's about someone else or a certain place or thing, or it's something that we repeat over and over in our own lives. Um, and... Uh, by the way, when, when we're the ones that are constantly creating the trauma, there's sort of a, a, a fascinating um, dynamic within that where, you know, why do we perpetually or, you know, over and over again sabotage ourselves, right? And the, the trauma that comes along with, I mean, for people in recovery especially, and I, I use this, um, but it, it could be, I mean, recovery is a, a good example of this, but it could be looked at in many different aspects of life that we repeat a, a behavior that just perpetually causes us harm and, and trauma mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So I would say that's a big that kind of connects to what I was thinking. Mine from the year has been more. It's interesting how when I before the pandemic, I feel like I talked about my story story about getting sober and how I got there all the time. I talked about it in groups and I did mentorship. So that was often part of my thing was telling my story, you know, and it became this thing where it almost seemed like it was separate from me, you know, like it wasn't and it's not. You externalized it. Exactly. Yes, definitely. But this year being again um, alone and isolated a lot. It didn't necessarily trigger wanting to relapse or wanting to drink like I thought it might as much as I really sat with a lot of those things coming back to me and had to re-internalize them (laughs) because I've had so much time with my own thoughts this Mm. year, you know, so I've kind of replayed a lot of things and gone through the motions of almost having to like re-forgive myself for things that happened, you know, now, you know, four years ago that I thought I was completely past because I talk so openly about it and, you know, I've, I've accepted it, but it's almost like it, it came to me in a different way because it was just me and just me sitting with it. And, you know, so I've gone through these like so proud of myself and then back to like, Oh, do you like, really going back to those some of those really crappy moments right before I got sober and kind of revisiting them and also I would say some things and this is kind of the self sabotage thing right is things with past relationships too you know kind of 
I don't know if I want to say punishing myself over them, mm. but I've definitely had a lot of just time internalizing things from my past this year, mm. which I think it, it can be healthy to a point, but I do feel like there's it's gotten to the extent at times where I'm kind of reverting back some shame and everything and having to almost let go of things again. And that's, I think, due to just this amount of isolation and self-analysis that I've been doing this year. I think overall it ends up being positive, but it's it's kind of been a, a process and a journey. And I, I mean, I would say it's those have been the pieces of trauma that have come back to me mm-hmm. over the pandemic more so than interest, you know, really old childhood things so because those were probably the most traumatic yeah times just for me personally i mean that's just yeah well and you know um you know back to that concept of you know how how do we handle and how do we deal with with trauma just generally in life because it's part of life i mean we're going to have moments that conceive or perceive or um feel traumatic and uh, that's I mean, it's not like we live in, not maybe the best word these days, but, the, you know, we, we don't like live in this protected bubble. <laughs> or do we? Or do we, yes, yeah. I know that that sounded funny when I was thinking it. You know, that protects us, you know, like bubble people, right? I, I, I saw some, the Flaming Lips did a concert where everyone was in a, a plastic a bubble. bubble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Great. <laughs> person bubble. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I I miss live music. I, I saw some up in Montana, but when I was up there this this fall, um, you know. yeah, and art festivals. Yes, I miss all that. And pride. And pride. <laughs> you know, like all of those things. Live music for sure has been a downer for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that, th- there's little like traumas in there. I mean, that, you know, the things that, you know, they kind of feed us. And, and when we feel like we're, I mean, the, the trauma being separated, I mean, like a child from a parent or something like that, that's very traumatic. And I, I'm not trying to overplay this, but removing the things that, have re- that really feed us and, and f- you know, nourish our souls. Mm-hmm. And music is one of those. And, mm-hmm. and um, that is a question I'm going to ask at the end, by the way, about music this past year. So, uh, but the, I, I miss the the live music, and I was when we were in Montana, and and, and we arrived late at night, and we met our, uh, met my daughter at um, at this uh, restaurant bar place, and they had music outside, and everyone was like you know separated at these picnic tables, and and um, the band, they were separated by quite a bit from the band, but I was like this felt so weird. That, that was happening but i could my my heart was just oh it felt so good mm-hmm. to be there it was nice to be with my daughter too but uh, uh, sorry lauren um but the, uh, that night the music <laughs> the, the music was really yeah ouch <laughs> the, the music was like i really didn't realize how much i missed it you know so anyway I think uh, I like what you were saying about life um, in general. For me, I f- sometimes I feel like life is just one generalized trauma, you know. And <laughs> sorry to because, laugh because oh life God. is. Uh, I mean, life is suffering, right? If you look at it from the Buddhist perspective. But yeah, so life is this generalized trauma, and I 
I have been I'm I've been fortunate enough not to have real major specific events uh, happen in my life that have caused trauma, but definitely have experienced the generalized trauma of life. And um, I think the, um, the one of the ways that I've been able to try to cope with with some trauma is, uh, and Sarah mentioned this, and I, I liked it a lot is looking looking for uh looking for forgiveness where 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 it's applicable when it comes to trauma whether that's forgiving uh myself for having you know caused myself harm and caused myself trauma or um you know forgiving others uh who, who might have uh you know caused me caused me harm and so yeah, I think forgiveness is is a is a key component for me to get through those uh, you know the general you know kind of the generalized minor traumas that we all experience through life. You know? I, that also that makes me think about having self compassion too. I think, yeah. you, and um, this idea of compassion and acceptance towards ourselves, um, and of course we <laughs> we've talked so much about self care. We you know. What a year to examine self-care in our oh, lives yeah, under the sure. circumstances. Mm. But that really plays into this, um, this notion of forgiveness, how important that is. And I agree. This year has been an interesting, um, I mean, it's been an interesting, I've developed some interesting insight in the, in, into that perspective of how do I hold myself? How, how do I care for myself? And the practice of self-compassion and forgiveness need to be daily i believe because you know we're doing things and experiencing things that you know we haven't probably before at least un under these circumstances um and you know the the no, no this the new normal um <laughs> you know what does that mean anymore um you know because it seems like things can change pretty quickly so within a day within a day mm -hmm. yeah Brian, i think that's perfectly said though that's no. like yeah. that's kind of why I was you just said it so much more eloquently but that's where I was trying to go I don't have any of these huge past you know traumatic events that are incredibly specific but yeah. of course there's traumas in life all the time and a lot of them we do create on our own yeah, and exactly. again that's kind of ties to <laughs> that we, we create our own internal suffering sometimes and so well, and I've talked to my friend, um, she's my best friend, and we've, I mean, she was there for a lot of my relapsing and being sober, and she, you know, has been my rock through a lot of this. Um, not, she's not an addict, but, you know, she tries to understand it at the most she can, and um, we've talked a lot about my, you know, trauma as a child, and like, you know, I feel like having alcoholism is a trauma itself, you know, self-inflicted trauma, um, but trauma. <laughs> um, but she's, she's like, you know, I don't have trauma, but, you know, I do have, and I'm like, mm, you know, I feel like everyone does, and whether, it, it doesn't matter if it's specific, it doesn't matter if it's complicated, mm -hmm. complex, or, you know, acute, you know, it's all something I think humans go through, and, um, at least conscious animals too, you know, or not. Anyways, let's not get into biology right now. <laughs> well, or do you you want to open up this talk on I consciousness? Do, I know. God, why do I do this to everyone? And these huge topics there's, about there's, like there's no victims here. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do anything. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, 
you know, Brent and Sarah, you know, talking about, you know, I don't have anything specific and it's, you know, that's, I see it as the same as mine in a way, you know, like I feel we're all in that same kind of like general life. Like you said, Brent, life trauma, it's like ongoing thing. And it really is like, you know, pandemic is one, you know, but like someone dying is another, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's just an ongoing thing. And it's an all learning process, I feel like, and how we, how to deal with it. Sure. Well, and, and you know, by not uh, using uh, things, adjusting like to the, adjusting to a new normal, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Not and finding healthy ways to Ooh, being and, susceptible to change. Yeah, I was going to say adaptability to change. Adapt. Yeah. Yeah, that's something Bingo. I've been talking about at school a lot lately. That <laughs> in my schoolwork, I wrote a paper on it. <laughs> being adaptive is probably <laughs> the best life skill to have in moments like this mm-hmm. i mean probably just generally speaking but the learn the better we can become adaptive right so and not that you know brad i was thinking this is when you're talking was this uh notion or idea um uh, that it's not necessarily a traumatic event um but i i dealt with um, i know you've been going through this i dealt this with my mother's illness that um it felt didn't feel necessarily like trauma but it felt like this period of time that where i didn't know what things were going to look like for so long and and I, and I know i wanted to understand what things were were going to be like and there was the the trauma was not necessarily the event of her um death she, she died of cancer but sort of the trauma was how i coped and adapted to that that those events and um you know did i self-medicate during those times um did i which i did a, a, a bit um or did i find healthier ways to work on connecting to family um and i did that as well but i as far as learning to become adaptive i i learned from that experience to address you know uh, loss um and uh, you know re be able to sort of recalibrate my own personal attachments that I have to myself, but also to other people and what my expectations are around that. Um, even challenging my expectations of what, you know, my mother represented to me at times felt traumatic. Like, I've got to change my story here, you know? And that was that was a fascinating, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that you've had similar experiences recently or not. So. Yeah, I mean, definitely I can relate um, to that. And um, it's been, um, yeah, been an interesting year for me, not only just because of the pandemic, but yeah, we've, uh, in my family, we've uh, been facing some um, some health issues. Uh, my dad, at the end of October, was diagnosed with a terminal uh, brain cancer. And, um, and so that was just uh kind of a it's such a, it's a shock because i feel like you know you're going through life and everything's pretty good you know for the most part even even during the pandemic you know it was like i was i felt like i was adapting fairly well and uh coping with it and then all of a sudden boom this happens you know you find out that you know your your dad is you know at best has about you know 14 months to to live and so it's like 
again, as I said, you know, it's life kind of is this generalized trauma. And that was definitely one of the, the times where life is throwing you this, this, this challenge and this problem and this, you know, this normal, you know, I shouldn't say normal, but it's a consequence of, of life and existence. And, um, and having to deal with that and there were definitely uh, it, and it's given me an opportunity to really look at the concept of like okay we get these uh these traumas or these challenges thrown at us in our life and it's really all about how we respond to them and i guess that ties back into the adaptability you know being able to uh shift and be able to to deal with change and um and really, that's what it boils down: is how 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 do how am I how am I going to respond to this 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 uh, soon to be very sad part of my life, and and just the the the, the, the grief and the and the uh, you know anger and, and pain of going through it with him at the at, at the present. You know, how am I going to cope and deal with that? And it will be. Um, it's definitely for me been like the biggest challenge in uh, my sobriety. Uh, so far, I did um, just a few weeks ago. I passed uh, five years, Woo! and in that, <laughs> and in that, well, thank you. But in that five years, this has really probably been the biggest thing. Yeah, we've all we've all had challenges uh, as we as we go through recovery because life again throws us challenges and and throws us generalized trauma. And um, but this was definitely was one of this was definitely the biggest challenge that I've had because there are definitely moments early on where it would have been nice to be able to self-medicate and just kind of help for, you know, do something to help forget what was happening or, you know, kind of deal with the emotions uh, that I was going through and, you know, kind of, you know, escape the reality of the situation at the time. But, you know, um, was able to get through it and uh, know definitely so so grateful that I have such a strong support system of friends and family you know to, to lean on and um, was able to, to cope with it that way and and look and look at to, to try to cope with it in healthy ways you know increasing meditation increasing kind of mindfulness and presentness of the situation a lot of forgiveness mm-hmm. uh, going on too um, and a lot of uh, you know a lot of gratitude I, I feel like has really helped me get through um, uh, this current situation is just being grateful for um, you know a lot of a lot of you got to look at it like a lot of people their their parents pass away when they're really young and uh i've gotten to you know my dad's been here for 72 years and so and i've got to you know he's been a part of my life all the time you know some people have parents that may they might not have passed but they were they're not a part of their life you know and he's been a constant in my life and so i can look at, at gratitude for that and um you know, yes, it's yes, it's he's definitely leaving our family s- sooner than than uh, than expected, and definitely sooner than than I feel like we, you know, um, that anybody should have to, you know, leave. But um, I can be grateful for the time that that I've had with them, and so a lot of support uh, through the community, through my community, a lot of gratitude, and just trying to to cope with and deal with this this big challenge in a healthy way as opposed to an unhealthy way you know that thank you that was so beautifully that was a, a beautiful expression you know of your experience um this idea that hit me as you were 
talking about that, I went back to realize I had this experience. By the way, I was sober. I was not self-medicating, at least with, probably with food, I was probably professionally self-medicating. But not with cocaine. and but what came what came to me was you were sharing that was what an opportunity um, grief is to to work on changing our story and our narrative about people, which allows us to forgive in a in a in a deep way and and. As you were telling that, that's what I was kind of hearing. Maybe I'm projecting onto you, and which is okay, to, but I, because I, I know this is about me. But hearing you explain that, that that really felt like this idea of what an opportunity. And this is the power of grief. Grief is really powerful stuff, just like forgiveness, um, because it can heal so much. And grief can heal, even though people are. I shouldn't say, this, even though at times people are scared of grief and sadness and loss. It experiencing it can and, and allowing ourselves to go through the emotion can be so healing, and of course it's so good for the brain. You know, oxytocin and all the good stuff that happens there. Um. So, I also this led into the the the, the thought of, um, by you know by not being able to forgive, and to grieve and to deal with loss and abandonment in life, and maybe. Uh, not always abandonment, but but loss and, and adjusting to that. Um, do we perpetuate this, you know, unnecessary suffering? And that kind of seemed to I, I began to glean that from as you were telling that story. What are, what are your thoughts about that? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. That's uh, and this goes right right along with what we've been talking about. Is you know um we life is suffering and and it's uh it's how we uh respond to to the situations that are causing us suffering that that are that just these are things that kind of just happen to us but then there's a whole not like you know your my dad getting uh you know terminal cancer that that's a thing that happened to our family Mm -hmm. it's not something that we we actively went out and sought you know that's just something that happens and so it's like how do you respond to that but then you look at it and there's so many other things that i do uh that cause me unnecessary suffering and um, you know what a lot of the like you mentioned not really being able like trying to avoid that that grief process or or, or, or being angry about the situation um, or being resentful over the situation uh, all, all things that just add unnecessary suffering as opposed to shifting it to looking at it from uh, a, a point of view of acceptance and a, and a point of view of gratitude and a point of let's try to make the most of what we can from this situation um, or you know unnecessary suffering definitely is self-medicating a lot of time you know I shouldn't say a lot of times like most most of the time that does cause unnecessary suffering um, and so yeah life is life is hard enough uh, in general but it's looking at like, well, what do we do to uh, even further intensify that that difficulty uh, or that that hardship that life brings? And so it's a concept that yeah, that I mentioned when we when we were brainstorming ideas is this concept of unnecessary suffering and and what 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 does that mean uh, to me? And it's just 
it's looking at uh, all the things that I do on a daily basis even or, or how, I, uh, how I respond to certain challenges that's just going to add an extra layer of, of suffering onto an already difficult situation, you know. Uh, in Refuge, we've talked about that, you know, there's pain, and pain is pretty much, um, you know, inevitable in life. We're going to experience pain, um, but it's uh, not, having, not, 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 not uh, embracing that pain or, or, or looking at that pain with, uh, from a point of compassion or acceptance we just add another layer of suffering on top of the pain. Like attempting to avoid it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of things that uh, I know I do on, you know, that uh, I do that cause me unnecessary suffering that uh, if I can try to identify and avoid those, then it makes dealing with the big, the big issues a lot, a lot to- more tolerable. Hmm. And it's anything from just like, you know, and being honest, you know, be, being dishonest causes unnecessary suffering, you know, um, you know, being, you know, maybe not, you know, not being as um, uh, greed, you know, greed causes unnecessary suffering, um, resentment, unnecessary suffering. It's just all of those, all of those things that, that are in our control, you know, terminal cancer, not in my control, but me be behaving like an ass, I can control. You know, and and me uh, me behaving a certain way is definitely can cause me suffering or can bring me acceptance and contentment. It just depends. Yeah, yeah. I have a question for you, Brent. Wow. Okay. I didn't I didn't know we were open for questions. But no, go ahead. Oh my! I, just, <laughs> I was gonna ask because you're like no, I'm just kidding. You know, I, you know, kind of how you cope. Yeah. Do you ever use spirituality at all? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, I do use a spirit, but it's something that's gotten me through. It hasn't really changed much from when I started this road into recovery. You know what I mean? It's really, I've just been made sure I've stayed on top of it, you know. Um, but yeah, I do, you know, not to get too religious or anything like that. But yeah, I do believe in a higher power and I do believe in a, the, the universe as a driving force. And so, um yeah, spirituality for me, I, I can see it in in different things, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be, a, it's not like a, a one deity per se, you know, but I do, I do feel uh, that the, the more that I feel that I can check in with myself and the universe per se, you know, and am I, what am I doing? Um, and kind of just I start off each every day doing that. You know, what I mean, I start off my morning. I'll, I'll take just you know five minutes and check in, set some intentions for the day, and um, and and do some gratitude as well. And and then I end my day with some gratitude. And for me, that's my that's me checking in with my spirituality. You know, and that's something that I started when again when I started, or you know, in, you know, started to become sober and get in and start to live in recovery. And it's just that's that's really helps has helped me cope um with the big traumas too that come my way you know as far as from a spirituality component of it anyways of coping you know other ways of coping for me are definitely that's a that's a big part of 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 the self-care but then also you know engaging in the things that 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 bring me joy you know um 
and that 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 helps with coping mm. with. Uh, you talk about you know what feeds us. You know. Yeah, nourishes. Yeah, it. nourishes. Nourishes us. the soul. Making sure that yeah, I'm doing the things that nourish my soul too. You know, helps cope. But what's funny too is like the times I found uh, when. Um, you need to be doing those things the most because the shit's really hitting the fan is the times that you don't want to do those mm-hmm. things. It's the times that you try to push, push them out. And yet that's the time like you should double down, right. you know, like I remember, uh, early on, like, uh, when, when we just found out about my dad's health situation, uh, like that's when I should, that's really when I should have started, you know, doubling, almost doubling down on my meditation um, practice and then it, it got to the point where I was finding like I'm just too I'm just too exhausted to meditate <laughs> you know what I mean it was just like I just can't I can't deal with this right now I got too much other stuff going on or like you know not wanting to reach out to friends you know um, or you know not wanting to exercise physically you know just being too tired to do any of that because it is when we do have like like big life challenges thrown at us mentally it can take a toll and also physically it'll take a toll because of fear and worry and anxiety uh but those are the times that you really need to be diligent in and even probably increase your self-care or, or increase that those things that nourish your soul and yet for me personally i find that those are the times that i want to I want to push him away because it's just kind of an, an ironic thing, you know. Yeah. When you need it, the time that you need it the most is when you should be embracing it, but that's the time you, you least want to do those things. Right. Which oh, is like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? and, yeah. And, 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 and the lame excuses we give ourselves for not doing things that we know. Right, exactly. Yeah. It'd be like, well, you've had a long day. I mean, you've been at the hospital all day. Yeah, you don't right, need to yeah. do this. You know, oh, you're, you're tired. You're or, good, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm tired has been yeah. one that, that yeah. Uh, yeah. Or I, I can't make time for that right now. Yeah, exactly. I can't make time for that right now. <laughs> That's me. That's I don't me, know. What about, no what about you? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I never do that. Yeah. What, what are you doing to cope these days? What do you got? Um, well, I've been sh- struggling with my self-care a bit, and that's why Paul made the joke of, I don't have time for that, because oh, that's okay. been me. I mean, you know, working for Amazon has been a hell of a ride. And I'm so glad I never have to go back to that place. But it did teach me a lot, like, you know, that a lot. Let's just say a lot. But I was just so exhausted on my days off, you know, like, and part of that is like, I don't want to go to aftercare because I don't have I don't want to, you know, (laughs) but I've been working um, on it like. I talked to Paul in my therapy session about, you know, what I'm, what my, kind of my goals are and cooking for myself is like, I love, I like to cook. So I've been cooking more, you know, and, um, kind of maintaining my cleanliness throughout my house, you know, that my living sanctuary, you know, like mm-hmm. it's important to, you know, take care of it. Um, I also cope by having a lot of plants. Um, (laughs) I have a lot, um, and I use like my fresh basil in my cooking and my rosemary in my cooking too. Um, so like things like that art is a big part of it. Um, I haven't been very like physically, except for my job at the time, you know, that's physically like active for me. And so of course I don't want to like go hike after I just worked for 10 hours hiking up flights of stairs. 
you know. So um, that's why, like, this summer, you know, my goal is to be more active. And I want to go up, you know, snowboarding because that's a big part of my coping for sure and just happiness and joy. So feeds the soul and, and your spirituality, spirituality. So, yeah exactly yes yeah, snowboarding is my therapy session for sure mm-hmm. always so yeah that's it perfect all right anyone else have anything you want to talk about on this topic <laughs> i agree with everything brent and alicia said <laughs> perfect <laughs> <laughs> but i like the idea that Learning to have um, healthy, um, proactive, you know, attitude and structure um, in in my life will allow, or at least set the context where um, I don't have to suffer through everything. Yeah, even though the human experience um does include suffering i think it was you brought up how you know we were you know pain is part of life but but suffering is optional in in so many words and that mm-hmm. um much suffering personally is unnecessary if i can only not if i can only when i find better balance and better nurturing of the soul so, all right, I wanted to talk about music a little bit because um, uh, this was an interesting year. And I, I talked earlier about how it was difficult to, you know, go and, and participate in live music, which I, th- I think in some ways has been part of our lives. And um, I remember on one podcast we were talking about concerts we were going to. Um, it was probably <laughs> a while. I know. Yeah. It, was, it was a while ago. Um and uh, and and you know, so many things have have been ch- uh, canceled and changed, and you know, hopefully we're we'll, we'll see a, a shift in that as we get you know, through the year. Um, but is there any any uh, any particular artist or any particular music or anything that um, was part of your experience this past year during uh, these COVID times that Hell was yeah. helpful? Was helpful. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, what? Okay, so I went through it. This is a good topic because I went through a big, like, phase. So during this year, like, my music taste has changed quite a bit. Not changed because I still love all of what I listen to, but in the beginning, I was really angry at, you know, the sexual abuse and, like, really mad and just not okay internally, raging. Um, and so I listened to a lot of Metallica and like every session before EMDR I'd smoke a cigarette and I'd listen to like Metallica on full blast and mm-hmm. just listen to the riffs, you know, cause I would, and I'd just cry. Mm. <laughs> I laugh about it now because I was just like, I don't do that anymore. Um, and then it changed a little bit. I listened to a lot more of like Led Zeppelin and... Um, obviously like Red Hot Chili Peppers because I love them and um, now I listen to more like Dave Matthews The Grateful Dead and well that is a that is a transition yeah yeah and um, obviously like um, The Blues Travelers but Janis Joplin is probably one of my favorites currently so I listen to her a lot 
So it's changed quite a bit from Metallica to Janice, you know. Yeah. So or Dave, yeah. That's, or Dave, or, or, you know. But I or Jerry. Or Jerry, yeah. And it's it's kind of a, I think a beautiful thing, you know. Music really helps me cope, um, because you know these artists, you know, write music how they're feeling. Because like, for example, the lead singer of um, Metallica, you know, they went through a lot. Like he he was an alcoholic, you know. He's sober now, you know, and um, a lot of it was trauma you know mm-hmm. they went through and they that's how they wrote their songs and so you know it just makes sense of why I like how where I am in my life now is who I listen to almost mm-hmm. you know and so yeah so I'm going to add to that too because this will bring up a point um, is I the music that also because everyone needed a few good cries right so we listen to music to, to do that yeah and this year has been that so that's what I heard you say especially during the work you were doing so Metallica right. helped that but uh, it, it shifted over it did yeah and it's just crazy because even when I was using like what I was listening to like my best friend they were like <laughs> because I was listening to like scary rap like not even like 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 heavy metal you would think but it's rap and it was just like not something that I should be listening to like about suicide and all this stuff and then now it's you know totally different like I don't even I don't even want to listen to that to like I'm not there so it really does like I think for me decide on where I am in my life you know, and of course I still listen to Metallica. So I need a little good pump up. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lisa. Okay. Uh, so I've had, I've listened to so much music this year. I mean, music's always been a big part of my life, but this year I feel like I just, it's probably, again, being home a lot. I just always have, want to have music on. Like, I just it's on in the background it's on so it's been one of the few years that i've really let spotify guide my way a little bit more and give me some suggestions where usually i'm like nope i'm picking songs i make my own playlist i like my own songs you know maybe Uh yeah exactly (laughs) like maybe i'll get suggestions from friends but for the most part are you going to share your most played song with you i choose i actually don't remember it's okay (laughs) don't worry my guess is it was a breakup song but <laughs> That's my guess too. I'm just <laughs> no one's <fun>. surprised. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I did have a breakup mix after you know, mm-hmm. which has now been a year since my last breakup. Um, wow! I know, and but the other so besides letting Spotify do a lot of suggestions it's like they know me so well and you know who knew that spotify knew me so well so i've actually got i know i know those algorithms (laughs) but i've actually gotten a lot of good suggestions from artists that i hadn't heard of and then if i really like a song i'll look into them so um that's been really fun to have new music this year and actually allow myself to open up to that the other thing i've loved this year I've been on a cleaning extravaganza all the time. I've always been a pretty organized, clean person, but 
What? Now it's OCD. <laughs> what? It, now it's gone to a different level. Now it's come to Just an joking. unhealthy level. <laughs> yeah, so early you have a great so smile time. on your face right now. <laughs> You say it's unhealthy, but you are smiling with joy, so I'm not sure it's unhealthy. Early in the pandemic, (laughs) I subscribed to uh, Grove, which is like a cleaning, like they do a monthly subscription. You kind of pick what, and it's like Christmas every month when I get it. It's just so fun. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Alicia loves me for it too. What's it called? Grove? Grove yeah. collection, yeah. It's, it's just funny because it's, it's all like mostly I'm, natural. It's products. all it's like natural cleaning products. Oh, okay. And so then they oh, that's yeah. and then you get okay. to pick when and then they just it's like, you know, monthly subscription, but you get to pick what you know, so I'm running low on multi service cleaner or toilet cleaner oh, or whatever. Oh, that's and actually cool. They do a lot of uh, like Mrs. Myers and um, Method and those types seven of generation? Yeah, they yeah, do. And seven yes, generation. They do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Anyways, the cleaning wasn't, we're talking about music, but because I've had so much fun cleaning, cleaning, like it really, it's therapeutic for me. It really is. But I like to clean to music and I like to clean to upbeat music. And so I made this epic, like late nineties, early two thousands rap mix that I just, (laughs) and I keep adding to it and I just blast it while I clean. I literally dance. Like, I mean, if you could be a fly on my wall while I clean, especially like on the weekends when I do like my full house clean and it just puts me in the best mood. And it's just like old songs from like, you know, early 2000s hip hop, rap that are just, ooh, yeah, 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 I've got some Dr. Dre, you know, lots of Eminem, just like, it's just songs that bring me back to really happy times, you know, that was, that was when I was in high school or early college, so it just brings back good, fun memories and it just pumps me up and, yeah. So what is, I have a question, um, (laughs) if you were to go in your car right now, what song would you Play, or what artist? My mind just is on Spotify, so I can tell you. I hung up the phone. I know. I'm like I'm on Spotify mix right now. Lame excuse. Um, Dissident by Pearl Jam was gonna play. Fuck yeah! I've got Florence in the Machine. Oh fuck yeah! This is great. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah! That's what I was playing. Okay. In the Machine. That's awesome. I just wanted to know, you know, where we're at, you know. Where are we at in this moment, yeah. Well, in, in like, the music, you know, because Metallica is one thing, and then, like, you know, there's just, like, different, yeah, so I was just wondering, like, for driving, or where are you at in that, and so that's that's a good one. That also depends on my mood. No, absolutely. Like, I'll be playing mellow stuff in the car if I'm in a mood that needs that. Some calm, yeah. And if I'm in a mood that needs to be angry, then I'll play some... AFI, you know, no joke. Like, AFI, I, know. I, I love AFI. I know. I no, I do too. Yeah. So I mean, I hear the Metallica piece because it really does. It depends yeah. on my mood. I mean, and then there's times I'm just like in a like dreamland and just, want to listen to Disney music. I mean, no joke. No, oh, yeah, no, I, yeah. I'll go through all the genres, but okay, that's I my love that. That's Disney like, ballads. Okay. We did it all. All right, moving right along. <laughs> you you ready to share your? Uh, uh, yeah, like uh, that's uh, one of the good things about working from home is because I listen to music all all the time, all day, and I I can be my own DJ. So because like, I don't have to accommodate anybody else's musical taste, so I listen to a lot of music. I find that this year in particular, I've uh, grown like Fridays have become like reggae Friday, so I only listen to reggae on Fridays. <laughs> 
which has been awesome. A lot of dirty heads in there. You know, Bob Marley, that sort, Jimmy Cliff, uh, uh, Revolution. Anyways, that's that's Fridays. But then I've, but through this year, I've through this time period, I've definitely grown an appreciation. I've always liked him in the past. But I've really musically started to really appreciate him more is Van Morrison. Mm-hmm. So I've been listening to a lot of Van Morrison, and uh, yeah. And other than that, just yeah, I've been listening to all the normal stuff too. We were born before so, yeah. the wind. All right, all right. Um, well, so this is. Uh, I'm going to be honest with. I'll be honest with this. This has been an interesting year musically for me, um, and. I'm really surprised the music that the artists that stood out the most for me. Um, some of my family members know this, and um, they wonder where Paul went. Um, and uh, I, I, I try to explain it in a couple ways. Um, but I turned into, and I know this is going to sound funny, a Taylor Swift fanboy. Oh, I remember what? this. <laughs> what? This kills me. I know. I know. Yep. Where did and, Paul go? What and and the the part of it was this this album that she released um, in the mid mid last year called um, Folklore. And I listened to it and I, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And you know. Where did this come from? I mean, this is just so out of left field. And it took me right back to the late 60s, early 70s, um, the Joni Mitchell music. And I compared it, I, I compared it to um, albums like um, Hissing of Summer Lawns, um, Blue, which is, you know, probably one of the most um, personal albums an artist has ever done. And then I realized, I guess Taylor Swift does that all the time. But I was never really a fan of her pop stuff. Um, a bunch of my, uh, I think primarily my my daughters are some of them, maybe all of them. Um, but this album came out and it just shocked me because how powerful it was. And, and I guess, you know, she's very personal in her music. Um, but the, it was more of a folk album, and um, with a, a, a lot of alternative and, and progressive music um, with it. Um, and it just was perfect timing for me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I had to develop this intense appreciation and listen to it. I, and I, I'm, this is a little embarrassing, probably a hundred times this year. Judging just a little, just a little. Yeah, yeah, not, and that, not a lot, just a little. And that's okay. No, you can. I mean, I yeah. Who is he? You know, who is he? Yeah, and I, I, I was honest with you. I said I don't. This is the last person, but last person I thought that I would become enthralled in their music like this, and I did. And, I, and so I, I figured I'd better be vulnerable and honest because honesty is really a good thing to do. And then surprisingly, last month she dropped another album with the same group of people, and um, just sort of like. A sister albums or whatever you want to call it. Okay, now I'll get vulnerable for a second. So at, with the new album, you know the song Happiness? Yes, on, on, her, on her new her yes. second album, yeah, which was um, Ever, Evermore. Ever, Evermore. Ever, yeah. yeah. So I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan either, but while Paul's getting honest and vulnerable, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll admit I've listened to that song probably like 50 times. I don't know why, it just... My friend showed us the album over Christmas because mm-hmm. she was obsessed with it. And 
after I listened to that song, the lyrics and the music, it just, I connected and related to it so hardcore. I mean, I have cried to it. I have mm-hmm. just, I fallen asleep to it. I mean, so yeah. I, I, I need to give more of it a chance, but that song, for whatever reason, just got me, yeah. like, big time this year. Yeah. There are probably five songs on her first album, The, the Folklore, that emotionally hit me like that. And I... I, I cry. I and it's so it. weird. I, I haven't had music like yeah. this in my life that's done that. And, you know, it feels embarrassing to say it, but it's to, I must give props to the the writers, which um, Aaron Dreser and um, Taylor Swift that put this music together because it's it's, it's remarkable and hits me right in, the, right in the spot. My family does wonder who I am, you know, a little bit. But I still listen to all the other stuff. Too. You know, so. the only part I judge you on is um, the number one fan shirt you have on right now. Yeah, you're right, 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 right. It's yeah. getting a little crazy, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah right, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, the 1989 genre of, of uh, Taylor Swift. I'm wearing a sweater, so yeah. Knitted. <laughs> um, but, so, <laughs> I have a, I have a, um, I do have a bucket list, um, though, that I've wanted to do for a long time musically. Um, and I, I listen to a lot of this Dave Matthews band this year. But I have a bu- on my bucket list is to get to the Gorge and um, spend a couple days up there with him. And I now have two sons that are going to be living in the Portland area. I've had one son that's been there for 12 years. But my son that lived in Long Island in, in New York and has a studio in Brooklyn, he and his wife um, are moving just south of Portland. Uh, she took a, a job out there with a company, um, and uh, he's gonna he'll have a studio out in Portland, but he also will keep a studio in in Brooklyn and just kind of commute. Yeah, um, but my goal is yeah to get to the gorge, and uh, hopefully I don't think it's gonna happen this fall, or I would I would probably go, but I think it's too early. But they'll do it because they do it over uh, that's Labor Day, right in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's that, and then of course uh, I do still listen to um, a lot of Anderson Pack um, or Pock, um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's lead, led into a whole other genre of soul and hip hop, and that um, I have I, I'm just now just learning to expand. Um, I want to say Jasmine Holland, or no, that's all right. But she has a new album out that's um, just powerful, just really powerful. So then there's a whole nother little group of music that I got into. Um, I don't know what you call it, but it's got to be alternative pop, or it's all, maybe traditionally alternative. Um, but bands like Geo Wolf, um, Tennis, um, Japanese Breakfast. Uh, yeah, n- not. <laughs> um, Brent goes. Yeah, what's her name? Um, uh, Bridger. I gosh, I can't remember her first name anyway. Um, that her her music is uh, is is powerful too. And there's a whole group of people in there that um, it they it, they've got great hooks, but it's uh, sometimes the music's really kind of off and dark but it's it's also uh, got great uh, great lyrics and things so i've been listening to a lot of that genre yeah. 
Anyway. All right. Oh. <laughs> you know what can I just say? This was fun to have Alicia here today as we were laughing on our little break about how her and I got on a little tangent with the music together. But I just realized this is the first round table we've done where I haven't been the only female. There you go. That's true. And hopefully not the last. <laughs> Again, that's up for debate. We'll see. <laughs> I wish the podcast was like a simulcast uh, on, 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 on video, too, so people could see your facial expressions, Alicia, because that's right? I know. part of the entertaining is your facial it, expressions like when you so, speak. Well, and I've realized this, like people will take videos of me and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's just how I express my emotions, really. Yeah. Like, full forge. Like, you can't, you can, anyone could read me. Because if you make, do something weird, I'm going to be like, <laughs> or like, and they'll see it. Like, strangers see it. So. Strangers. They do. Like, I'll be like, <laughs> and they'll be like, and I'm like, oh God, I'm yeah. sorry. But it just like, you were, you're kind of weird, but it's not like, I'm not yeah. trying to be offended. So all those facial expressions, you know, only we saw in here. So. I know. <laughs> It's been a real trip. They're lost. All right. <laughs> yeah, I agree though. Maybe someday we will do we'll, we'll do video. Can we have little headphones? Like sure, we can do we can do whatever we can do whatever. Cool. Anything's possible. Yes. Anything is possible. All right. Thank you all. It is good to be back. It's good to see you. You you kind of remember how healing these moments can be. So thank you all for showing up. Uh, we will see you. We'll, we'll we'll get together again in a couple months and do this all all for fun too. Um, we'll go out as we always do with a little Joan Osborne. Talk to you soon. <laughs>